0: We have the last three weeks we've been, uh, last four weeks, this is week four, we've been in 18 and 19 and we, we talked about uh, we started out with, the, with the, tri- the arrest and the trials of Jesus because if you'll remember this has been chaos. I mean six trials that he went through, being moved through the night, finally coming when it comes daylight, they move him over to the Roman side, he has, he has three trials there During that time, the second message was about Peter. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Six. We found that out, didn't we? He denied Jesus six times during the night. Hear this man, I will die for you. I will go to prison for you. And the cock crowed the second time and Jesus looked at him and it says that Peter wept. And he went away. Peter was not at the crucifixion. And then last week, we saw the suffering of Jesus. What he went through from the time he was arrested until the time they put the cross on his shoulders and he began to walk down what is called, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, they have what is called the Via Della Rosa, the way of the cross. Jesus walks out of Jerusalem to a place called the Skull, Golgotha, where he's going to be crucified. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now you've heard me typically Palm Sunday, Good Friday. I've preached a number of times on different things about the crucifixion. I've preached on the seven things that Jesus said from the cross. I've preached on different parts of that. Today we're going to stay with John. Because John has a particular viewpoint of the cross. One of the premises that we started out in the book of the Gospel of John was that he wanted to show the deity of Jesus. And in his his account here, he's going to do that. Because one of the things that John records is what was predicted in the Old Testament, what was prophesied about the cross, what was prophesied about his crucifixion thousands of years before he ever went. And John's going to say, I'm going to show you from the Old Testament that Jesus is Messiah because of the cross. Crucifixion had not even been invented when David wrote In Psalms chapter 22, the Romans would would invent crucifixion much, much later. And yet David wrote about it. And we're going to see that this morning. And then I want you to see the people that are at the cross. And their reaction to what happened. So let's turn to John chapter 19. We will finish up chapter 19 today. And let's look at verses 16 to 42. So then they handed him over to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus therefore and he went out bearing his own cross to a place called the skull. Which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. And there they crucified him and with him two other men. One on either side and Jesus in between. And Pilate who wrote an inscription and put on the cross... It, is writ- it was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Therefore many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Latin and Greek. And so the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said... I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answers, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part for every soldier, also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless and woven in one piece. And they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own household. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop And brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that they should break, that their legs might be broken. And that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man. And of the other who was crucified with him. But upon coming to Jesus when they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water came out. He who, had been, who has been testified His testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may also believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And another scripture says, They shall look upon him whom they pierced. And after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had come, uh, come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews." Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the, the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid and therefore Jesus therefore because of the Jewish day of the preparation since the tomb was nearby they laid Jesus there wow now when you really when you sit down and you do the chronology of the crucifixion, John skips a whole lot, doesn't he? But what he has to say here is so valuable, so important, because he says, for these, for he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true, he knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may... Believe. John says, what I'm telling you about the gospel, I want to tell you because I want you to believe in the scripture. I want you to believe what the Old Testament has said and what it said about Jesus. And the first thing that he brings up in this is the place of the crucifixion. Now this goes back to Leviticus chapter 4. When they were getting the instructions for the sin offering. Now, John, John the Baptist, what did he call Jesus? He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. John, all the way in the very first chapter, said, The Lamb. The Lamb is coming. The lamb that will be the last sacrifice is coming. And that lamb had to be sacrificed in a certain way. For the Jews, what they would do is that the sin offering would start in the temple. And they would slit the lamb's throat and they would drain the blood out and that blood would be sprinkled on the altar. But the sin offering because they would literally put their hand on the head, the sin offering would then be taken outside of the city and burned. Do you know where Golgotha is? It's outside the wall. If you go to Jerusalem today, you can take the Via Della Rosa and you can follow it and it will go through the city gate to the outside. You see, the lamb that was slain from the beginning foundations of the earth had to to be sacrificed outside the city. What a fulfillment of what John has said. The second thing has to do with Pilate. Now Pilate has, through this whole process, what has Pilate said about Jesus? Not guilty. Not guilty. Twice he goes out and proclaims not guilty. And on the final time, he takes the basin of water and he washes his hands. I wash my hands of this. I have no part in this. This man is innocent. Now one of the things that had to be known of the lamb that was, that was going to be presented for the sin offering is it had to be an unblemished lamb. Not guilty. Exonerated. Matter of fact, he went so far as to say, here, let me, let me release him to you. Nope. Crucify him. Well, wait, let me beat him to a pulp until you cannot recognize who he is. Behold the man. Nope. Crucify him. Pilate tried everything that he could to release him. And in the final act, Pilate had the last say. Because, see, what was supposed to happen is their crime would have been tacked above their head on the cross. Remember, he's got two thieves. Their name and their crime would have been tacked on top of the cross. Why why is he on the cross? What did he put on Jesus' cross? Jesus of Nazarene, what? The king of the Jews. Amen. Not insurrectionist. And even the, even the chief priests wanted to get him to say something else that he said he would know. I have written what I have written. You can't change that. The man you are crucifying, the man that you ask, is the king of the Jews. You can't change that. Pilate had the final say. Well, the details of Jesus' crucifixion are seen, are the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And we're going to look at a number of those right now. The first one, in verse 18, it says, There was one on either side of him that was crucified. One on either side. Now isn't that interesting? They put Jesus in the middle. I mean, we look at, uh, you look at that particular one and you, the picture that's in the background there, and you see the three crosses. Jesus is, is elevated above. I don't know whether that's the way it was or not. There wasn't any reason. But it, it was, John says he was placed in the middle of the other two thieves. Isaiah 53:12. We're we're going to get there. There we go. Now now we're going to go back one. Isaiah 53:12. Now watch Watch what Isaiah wrote. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. He will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death, he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. He was placed in the middle of two thieves. A man who never sinned to bear our sins. And what's the last line say? And interceded for the transgressors. What did he do for the thief on the cross that repented? Today you will be with me in paradise. He interceded. The other one, he, he just mocked. He just said, hey, get us all out of here. Right? Save us. If you can do this, save us all. He had no repentance in his heart at all, but Jesus interceded for the one who repented. Also in this verse, it says, and he will divide the booty with the strong. Look at Psalm, or Psalms twenty two eighteen, 18. And they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalms, written by David. How many years before? If you, if you want to do a wonderful study, look at the book of Psalms, chapter 20, or Psalm 22, and look at Isaiah 53 and track how many different prophecies are in the two. It's amazing. We're just going to look at the ones that John provided for us today. They divided his garments. And... They rolled the dice. They cast lots. Because they were so greedy. Comes to the place in verse 28. He says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things have been accomplished, and to fulfill the scripture, says, I am thirsty. Between verses 16 and verse 28, there are six hours that transpire. The other Gospels record a lot about that. We're not going to go into those. He skips down to I thirst. So why did he put that in there? Psalm 69, 21. And they also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Look at verse 28 of John chapter 19. And after this, knowing that all things had been accomplished to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there and they put a sponge full of sour wine upon the branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. What is sour wine? John predicted, or David predicted in Psalm 16 that they would give him Vinegar. Not water. Not anything else. Vinegar. You talk about a specific prophecy that would be fulfilled. But we don't stop there. We go down. Jesus has died. And the Jews are concerned because when sundown comes... If those people are still on the cross, they can't be there to witness it. At sundown, Passover, they have to be in, they have to be in for the Sabbath day. So they, they send word, break their legs. Now this was a common practice to, to accelerate crucifixion. And as I've talked briefly before, the way people die with crucifixion when they're hung, They're hung with a little bit of bend in their arms, bend in their legs. They have a little perch that their feet are on. Most people who were crucified were tied. Jesus was the exception in that he had the nails driven through his hands. The likelihood was that he was also tied because they didn't want that tearing out. Because to survive on the cross, when you're hanging like this, you can breathe in. But you can't breathe out. So to exhale, you've got to pull up with your arms, push up with your feet, exhale, then you can go back down. And you can stay there until you run out of breath, and then you do the same thing over again. People died on the cross from suffocation, they didn't die from blood loss, they didn't die, they died basically because they were exhausted. Stories are told or written in Roman uh, literature of people who lived for days crucified on a cross. So to accelerate the process of death, they would break their legs. Because what happens when you can no longer push up? All you can do is pull. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody told me right now, Your life depends on how many pull-ups you can do. Right? You remember that from school? Yeah? How many, how many? You can no longer support yourself on your legs because they're broken. You can't push up with them. And so they would suffocate. But they came to Jesus and they said, He's already dead. We don't need to break any bones. And John quotes, what does he quote? He quotes Psalm thirty-four twenty. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Isn't that amazing? Who wrote that? David did. How long before the crucifixion? And then, then they tell another thing about the soldier came. He wanted to make sure. So he took his his spear, and he pierced his side. Zechariah 12.10 tells us, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. And they will mourn him as one mourns and only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Now I want you to hold on to that last piece. They will weep bitterly because when we come to the end, we're going to see that the people that went away says they wept bitterly and they beat their breasts because of what they had done. But we're not done yet. John tells us about two guys, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Now, they were both ruling men. We we saw Nicodemus, remember, snuck out at night. He was one of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. He came, he sneaks over to Jesus at night. He says, Jesus, what's going on here? You're doing all these miracles. And of course, Jesus, he cuts to the chase and he says, You must be born again. And Nicodemus is all confused, right? And he gives Nicodemus a whole lot to think about. Well, Nicodemus must have thought pretty hard because he comes back. Matter of fact, John mentions two things about Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. He says, Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus in secret for fear of the Jews and Nicodemus came to Jesus in the dark these were not men of great courage and yet after Jesus dies what do they do they march up to Pilate the governor of of Jerusalem and they say, we want Jesus' body. Now, that's the only people who ask for the body of, of somebody is a loved one, isn't it? Typically. Because you know what they did with the body of people who were crucified? You see, the Old Testament tells us what? Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. They would not bury somebody. The Jews wouldn't bury anybody that had been crucified, the Romans would take them and they would throw them in the garbage heap. They would go outside of town, was their their dump, and they would throw them right on top for the vultures and whoever to come and pick the bones apart, or they would take them out there and set them on fire and burn them. Just let them go. But that's not what happened with Jesus. What happened with Jesus? They came, can we have the body? Pilate's like, okay. They take the body. This tomb had been carved out of the mountainside, nobody had ever used it. That's an expensive tomb. I mean, just the rock that went in front of it was so heavy that it took several men to roll it into place. And then Nicodemus comes along and he has a 100 pounds of spices to put in there. For us, that's a small fortune for what it would have cost for all of that for him to be buried These men who snuck around in the dark to follow Jesus all of a sudden have the courage to go and ask. And it's all to fulfill Isaiah 53, 9. His grave was assigned with wicked men. Stop there. Where should have he gone? To the dump with the other two. That's where they wound up. They would have wound up, just take, that's where Jesus should have gone. But yet, He was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor had there been any deceit in his mouth. You see, it would be pretty hard to have a resurrection at the dump. Jesus needed a place. A, a place of honor. Can you go there today? Well, there's actually there, there's actually several places that people say is the empty tomb, but most of them will put, there's one. There's one that they go to. The empty tomb is there. A rich man provided that. Do you see how there's a mathematical equation for having just these six that John wrote about? It's one to the hundredth power to the 84th power, and I don't know how many numbers that is, but it's really big. They say it's a, the, it would be like taking North American and stacking dimes up to the height of the Empire State Building, and then dropping one in and say, go find it. Just these six. And there's more that are recorded in the other Gospels that we're not going to go through this morning. But John says, listen, I'm telling you, everything that Isaiah wrote, everything that David wrote, they all came true in the crucifixion of Jesus. Nobody else could do this. But hold the phone, because Sunday's coming. John said, I want you to know Jesus is the Son of God. Well, there's another part to this that I want to cover. Because he is very specific about who was at the cross. I want to talk about the women who were at the cross. The ladies who were there. You see, John is the only one of the apostles That is recorded to have been at the cross. He's the only one. But but look at the women who are recorded there. Verse 25. Excuse me. Verse 20. Yeah, there it is. 25. But standing by the cross. By the cross. They're close enough. We're going to see this very intimate interchange. In just a few minutes. Now, if we were to go to some of the other gospel accounts, what do we know happened at, at midday, happened at noon? It became dark. Totally dark. The sun refused to sign. So they would have had to been close enough for firelight to be able to allow them to see Jesus. They would have been standing close enough for that. Standing by the cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mark also mentions Salome was there as of one of the other women. They were there at the cross. These three, the three Marys at the cross one being his mother. How brave was that? I tell you what, these women put a lot on the line to be at the cross. You ever, you ever talk about the ministry of presence? I think the other two, one was her, it says her sister, most likely Clophas was her brother, this was her sister-in-law, was there with her. And Mary Magdalene. I want you to think about that. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who people looked at because she was an unwed mother. Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons cast out they were standing there brave enough to be close enough to hear the words that Jesus spoke from the cross who was that, who was the first one to see Jesus after he was resurrected mary magdalene that's right don't ever think ladies you don't have a place of ministry because I tell you, Jesus trusted you more than he trusted the 12. And that says a lot. He said, I want you, to, I want you to, to be there to witness this. And they were so brave to do that. And then we come to this interaction that takes place between Jesus and John and Mary. And John, Jesus looks down and he says, woman, behold your son. Now what was he saying? He wasn't saying, look at me. She wouldn't have recognized him physically because of how beaten he was. And most likely to look at him, he would have said, don't look at me. You don't need to see me that way. Would you have a loved one that's in that kind of... Right, Chuck? When you have a loved one that's in that kind of pain? You know, a lot of times, all you can do is hold your hand. I remember being at Brookie Armory Medical Center when my son flew in. he had lost his left eye. He had shrapnel that covered the whole left side of his face. We picked pieces out of his face for the next six months. His right arm had been shattered. He had a fixator from from here to here, that's where they put rods through your arm to hold all the bones in place until they can set them. Because of the amount of damage they had cut, an F, he had on this side of his arm that's where all the shrapnel went through. On the back side, they'd cut a big S from his elbow to his wrist to alleviate the swelling. He had a bandage that was looked like a football. Size bandage all over his right arm. And I was one of the lucky ones. The man in the next bed had lost both legs, one arm, and both his eyes in an IED explosion. And and as loved ones, we sat by those bedsides, and you didn't want to look at the wounds because of how devastating they were. Jesus said... Woman, behold your son. who was she talk, who was she talking about? She was talking about John. You see, even Jesus' brothers ran away. Now the resurrection is going to make a big difference for the brothers. But as the eldest son, what was his responsibility? Joseph is long dead. It's never recorded how Joseph dies, but he isn't even, Talked about during any of the ministry of Jesus. Joseph is gone. She's a widow. Standing at the cross. The eldest son is dying. He says, behold your son. And points to John. Doesn't point to John. But indicates to John. Look over there, mom. John will take care of you. And then. He looks to John. John. And he says, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own household. And Jewish tradition writes that Mary died in John's household. Now there's some, some people say she died in Jerusalem. Some people say she died in Ephesus where John was a pastor later on in his life. Most theologians believe that she died between 53 and 56 A.D., long before John ever did. John didn't die until almost the turn of the century. But he took care of her till the day she died. Jesus would not leave this earth without taking care of business. It was his job to take care of his mother And he did that. And isn't it interesting? The next thing that John records is, It is finished. Now, did he mean I took care of my business here on this earth? No. He says, I have one more thing to do I have to obey the final sacrifice, the final sacrifice for sin. Because we know what happened. The other writers tell us what happened in the temple. The temple veil, it says the veil. Now when you think of a veil, what do you think of? So, so, something that's kind of gauzy and, and, you know, thin fabric, right? The temple curtain was 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, and it says it was as wide as a handspan. So, probably six inches thick. It took 300 Levites to hang the curtain in the temple. And what happened when he said it is finished? The curtain was rent from the top to the bottom. The Holy of Holies was exposed for the first time to all to come and worship. No more sacrifice was needed. It is finished. I have made the final sacrifice. The question now is how do we respond? to the crucifixion. How will you respond to the crucifixion? I want to look for just a second at how other people respond. You see, when Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and said, I want the body of Jesus, Pilate wondered, is he dead already? He actually sent a soldier. Give me a report. I want to make sure that he's dead. Yep, he's dead. Spear in the side. All right, you can have the body. You see, Pilate went along in unbelief. He couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. This doesn't happen. The Roman centurion, when they put the sword or the Spear in the sight of Jesus and bought water and blood come out. The centurion that stood, he was the leader of those that, that crucified Jesus said, Surely he is the Son of God. You see, some people have to see it for themselves. And when they do, they understand Who Jesus is. He said surely he is the son of God. It says that the crowds when they left. After Jesus died they beat their breasts. They were in grief. What have we done? One of the things that John doesn't record. Is what did creation do? I talked briefly about that. At noonday, the sun refused to si- shine. How many of you remember what happened when we had the eclipse here? Remember that? What was it like? What? It, w- it got cold. I mean, the temperature dropped really fast. What happened with all the, all the animals? It just went... We were out at the Jinx's farm, and all the birds sat in the trees and were totally silent. It was weird. And it also says that there was an earthquake. You see, even creation rebelled when the crucifixion happened because the Creator was gone. The Holy of Holies was opened for everyone to come to the altar. Isn't that awesome? Come to the mercy seat. Come to the place where sins are forgiven. Was open to everyone. The women, the women even followed him to see where he was buried because they said, that's our Jesus. That's That's my son. I have to make sure that he's buried correctly. Mary Magdalene That's the man who threw out the demons and allowed me to have eternal life. I've got to follow him. Joseph and uh, of Arimathea and Nicodemus both got the courage. This is kind of like the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? What do you need? Do you need courage? (laughs) They got their courage to walk up and say, give me the body of Jesus. I've followed him in secret, no more. No more. I will gladly lay him in my tomb and proudly say, I am a follower of Jesus. And then there's the thief on the cross. He died on the cross, but where did he wake up? up? He woke up in paradise. Today you will be with me, in paradise. Man. What an amazing thing for that thief. Lived his life, ruined it, couldn't do much worse than getting an execution. And Jesus said, No, you're forgiven. Matter of fact, when when we when we're done here, you're gonna be with me for all eternity how we respond to the crucifixion tells us where we will spend eternity. But we're not done. As we've said on, on Easter, right? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. We're gonna see the resurrection next week. The resurrection changes it all, doesn't it? Because see, you could... You can go to the tomb where Muhammad is laid and he is still there. You can go to the tomb where Buddha is laid and he is still there. But you go to the tomb of Jesus and it is empty. It is empty. He paid the price on the cross but his resurrection is coming.